0: Hello. Come and join us for a tricky conversation. I'm Sandra, I'm black, and I'm here with my friend Sally. She's white. That's me. We've invited you to listen into our conversation because talking is our contribution to the Black Lives Matter movement. Black Lives Matter has shown just how much we must listen to and learn from each other. We wanted to do something real, and one thing we think we're not bad at is talking to each other about difficult stuff. Yeah. We wanted
1: to show that it's possible to talk about our experiences of prejudice and discrimination without feeling like we're walking on eggshells.
0: So we're going to talk about Sandra's experience of racism, my experience of homophobia, and see where it leads us. You're welcome to join us. So today's podcast is Can You See Me?, And I was really struck by the fact that when we introduce ourselves at the beginning of the podcast and you say you're black and I'm white, that I think white people would know that they know almost nothing about me when they know I'm white. They just know I'm white, but they know there's a whole other story going on. Whereas those same people might think they know things about you as a result of knowing that you're black. And I wonder whether you think that Black is the only thing that white people see.
1: Well, I don't think it's the only thing they see, but I think it's the main thing they see, and, and there's nothing wrong with that um, because it's your most identifying factor. However, in, in a lot of cases, I think that a negative stereotype and assumption goes with, with being black or people seeing that you are black, and, and that's unfortunate, really. Because the other thing is, is people who say that they don't see colour. And I think that the people who say that are very um, naively um, trying to explain that they're not racist and that they see people for who they are rather than a colour. But if you don't see the colour, then you don't see me. Um, You're not seeing who I am. And in fact, you know, if, if you're not able to see who I am, that is negative because there's already a negative connotation that you can't face the fact that somebody has an identity, a colour, whatever that colour might be. So that
0: colour-blind approach is in itself negative? It is negative. It is negative. Yeah. But so then, given that context of the need to acknowledge that someone is black or white or, you know, to acknowledge our difference in that way. But that that acknowledgement can be either positive or negative. How do you bring black children up in that context? How how do you build your children's um, positive self-awareness? Well, I think
1: it's a very big job um, I've got um, adult, young adult children and um, I think the first thing you do which didn't happen to me when I was a child is I acknowledge to my children how wonderful they are. I tell them that they're beautiful, they're great, they're clever, they're smart and I, it was instinctive for me to do that and I did that whilst... They were growing up so that they could have value in themselves and in who they are. And I think that just positive role models, whether that be people in your own family or whether that be people in the media, celebrities, black leaders, you know, civil rights and pe- black creators and people who have done positive things. You know, there was lots of books in my house and there was lots of fun books and, and you know, fiction and non-fiction, but there were also lots of black books and, and lots of those books were biographies and autobiographies so that my children could see black images and they could read about black people and their lives, what they went through and how they got from A to B. And I, I think that you can do that in a positive way, without indoctrinating negativity into children. Because with black children, for me personally, um, to then identify, then talk to your children about racism and tell them that maybe some white people be racist against you and, and, and you know these these are situations that you might be in, then what I didn't want to do is set them up to be that same way it's a big responsibility to put onto children things that we were told. For instance, you know, you've got to work twice as hard as a white person if you want that job or if you want to get where you're going to get. And I thought, that's too big a responsibility for my children. I just need to say to them, do your very best. Do your personal best. Mm. That's all you can do. Mm. You know, reach for the stars, but just do your best. And I think that way um, they can thrive without trying to
0: fight against the world when i listen to you describing your home and its books and so on and i think about our two daughters mine is just a little bit younger than yours and i think i i definitely brought her up to be anti-racist and to fight against discrimination but We didn't have those books that you had. And I'm thinking we should have had those books that you had because she too needed to see those books which showed how black people have contributed to the UK and to the world at large and, you know, the, the great black people in history. She needed those books as much as your children needed those books. And it has just occurred to me and I'm sorry I didn't do it. I think that looking back, we can all be sorry about things that we didn't
1: do. I I mean, I know your daughter
0: and she's a fantastic young woman, so you did a great job. I I think what I'm struggling with is the fact that each of our children should be taught the same things. You know, that I feel like my daughter, there are... I now realise there are chunks missing in what she should have learnt about the diverse world around her, particularly here in London. You know, it's such a diverse community. And whilst she likes that diversity, she won't have learnt about it the way your children have learnt about it. It's a great point, Sally, because when... And we've had
1: this conversation. When white people ask, well, you know... You know, what can I do about racism? You know, what what can I do? Those are, the you know, exactly what you said. It's raising our kids, raising the society where, you know, the children, they all know the same things. Um, black children weren't taught black history yeah. at school, so luckily we had books at home that they could read. And actually, when they were at school and they were taught history and some of the things that were missing from that history or some of the things that was taught to them that was not correct actually I was so proud of my children because they could come home and say to me you know mum I was taught this but they didn't tell us that bit and I know that bit because I've already read it and they knew much more than I did because in fact To be quite honest with you, I wasn't reading the books that were there for them to read. (laughs) Um, You know, I was busy, you know, working and and trying to to keep them, you know, well and everything. So um, I was very, I was proud of that. And I think, you know, the point that you've made is a good point because we're all, we're growing, the children are all growing up in a multicultural society. I think more now. Because of the climate we 're in with black life matters and and what's happening um you know in the media and everywhere and in the world that black children, white children, all children will know more about more history, and I think that will happen. I mean, why
0: would you have thought you know my daughter needs to read black history, <laughs> but well, now I do, and I hope yeah. that people coming up now will realize that because the government has just said. Uh, that they're not going to change the history syllabus. So it is going to be for parents and people at large to start educating themselves and their children. We all, you know, it's going to be our responsibility because it seems like government isn't going to take that responsibility. So, moving on then. <laughs> you know, that huge subject, and we're moving on. Yeah. But the thing about being seen for me of course it's different because i have the option of not being seen as a lesbian not being seen as someone with a jewish heritage and i was thinking about this before our conversation today and i thought the biggest issue for me now in my life is age because as a white older woman you are so invisible, I mean, it's like you take no space at all, you're just not seen, I've stood at a bar, and it's like I'm not there, you know, that the, the young folks around me, me, white woman, just not seen, so I think that's interesting, how things change as life goes on, and for a white woman, once you're older, you're done for, you know, you just aren't there anymore. But going back to being uh, a lesbian, everybody's got a coming out story and my coming out story is that uh, my father was a local politician who was absolutely committed to promoting equality amongst people and he was absolutely committed to lesbian and gay rights and so on and You'd think it would be easy for me to come out to him, but it wasn't easy for me to come out to him. And so we'd gone to a conference together for a charity we were both involved in, and he had made a speech that had persuaded people to vote uh, to include lesbians and gay men in the equalities policy. So he was absolutely committed. So in the aftermath of that, when everybody was celebrating, I thought I should come out to him, so I came out to him. And his mouth literally dropped open, literally (laughs) dropped open. He looked at me aghast and changed the subject. So I thought, oh, oh, well, that's done then. And then on the way home, I, I fell asleep on the train home and he was sitting opposite me. And I suddenly woke and he was looking at me and it was like he was trying to marry up his idea of me with what he just learnt. Yeah. He, you know, that that way of, oh, I thought she was this and now I think she's that. And it was quite shocking to me. I found it really hard seeing that on his face. And I think that affected me in the future about coming out because Mm -hmm. I think, I don't want to see that on people's faces. I mean, he was all right in the end and he was fine in the end. He had to just come to terms with it. But... Seeing that thing of someone thinking you're this and discovering you're that and seeing them make that adjustment, I just found it so hard. I thought, oh, I, I don't like doing that. And I've avoided it. I, you know, I am not in the closet. I'm obviously not in the closet. But equally, I don't, I hope that it just emerges rather than me having to tell people. I don't like having to tell people because I don't want that moment. I I suppose listening to that, Sally, what I'm thinking is
1: that it's never just one coming out story. It's forever coming out to whoever's new in your life or, you know, where you think it might be relevant and wondering or preparing yourself for the reaction of, you know, that person or those people. And so that must be difficult too. Because when you're black, you're black. And, they, you know, people can see that you're black whether they accept you or not. You have the choice of telling people or not. I, you know, in a way, I don't think it makes it any easier because you should be able to tell people and not just survive. You, you want to be able to thri- thrive and be happy and be yourself. Yeah, yeah. So when, when you're not doing that, you, you're really compromised as a person, mm. and that's quite difficult, really. But, and you know, and I just wonder, because obviously, you know, that experience of telling your dad, you must have built yourself up for it. But then you said you were kind of disappointed or upset when you saw his reaction. Did, I'm wondering, what did, what did you expect, you know, in terms of a reaction? Well, I, I suppose
0: I hoped that he would just take it in his stride, you know, because he, he was a man who was very, he was very much in control of how he was in the world. And so this, i it had literally taken his breath away. Do you know what I mean? Seeing his, yeah. his jaw drop, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, is it that big a deal? You know, so I, I think I'd hoped it wouldn't be such a big deal for him. And, and it was. Uh, but he, he, came to terms with it, but the the end of the story is, at this time the government of the day was um, preventing teachers teaching that homosexuality uh, was acceptable and um, it was called Clause 28, anyway eventually it was, that was got rid of but, at the time the government had introduced this and it was a major issue, and after a bit, when my father had processed it all I came back home one day and there was this little pot of pinks, flowers, the pinks, and he put a card in it and he said, 1,000% acceptable to me, which is so sweet, so sweet. So he did come right in the end.
1: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And I I guess that that surprise was, as you said, it's just the adjustment of seeing somebody maybe in a different light to what you thought. I did read recently, which I think I knew already, that on average, black, gay and lesbian um, people do come out later in the black community than they do in the white community. And that's no surprise, because homosexuality in the black community has always been an issue, and it's related mostly to religion and culture and, you know, how people see, you know, whether they see it as being right or wrong or sinful or shameful. And so I think that in the black community, you know, that's another struggle, again, um, in addition to racism and being black, and that's something that you're going to experience from your own community, not just from any other community or from the white community?
0: I found myself in a ridiculous situation. Just, you know, I'm proper grown-up now. (laughs) And I I was building a friendship with a Jamaican woman. And, but I hadn't talked about my family at all because she was a church-going Jamaican and I just didn't know what her views on life were going to be. And she was prompted to, to ask me if I had a husband. And instead of saying, no, I've got a civil partner, a woman, I said, no, I'm single. And I thought, what on earth are you doing, Sally? This is ridiculous. Um, And so I went away and thought about it and did come out to my friend. And she was fine. But, you know, you had to go through this business. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: it probably felt ridiculous to you, but this is why we're having these conversations mm. this, is, this is your life and this is, you have to make those judgments about what do I say or what do I do here and you know whether this is going to spoil a friendship will this person see me in a light that's not acceptable to them and, and that's difficult mm. and I suppose as a black person um, that also is something that you consider all the time but, I, you know, I don't know how much of a consideration it is because it's, it's then not left to you to try to explain anything. It's whether you're accepted by that person or not, it's their choice because it's already out there. Yes. 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 I think that it comes back to me when I hear something that lets me know those are the judgments that have been made about me. Um, You know, years ago when I was younger and I was in a role where I was an official with the local authority and I used to um, take young children in care for uh, official appointments at the police station, lawyers and at court. You know, I would turn up at the police station and very often I would get to the counter and the police officer would say to me, what time are you bailed to return, love? And the assumption was this black woman is a criminal yes yes. who else could I be and and so that those are the kind of things that reminds me that that's how I might be seen rather than me thinking all the time this is the judgment that's been made right and so yeah when when you and you often get reminded when judgments are made but but I do think that my personal experience as I'm getting older um, people are reserving those judgments. So
0: you don't hear them as often as I did when I was younger. Right. Yeah. And do you think that's because it's happening less or because you're older so you take a different place in the world? Or what? what is it? What's I think that? it's lots
1: of things. I think that people have learned to be more politically correct. I think since I was younger, um, people's minds have broadened about life because we live in... A multicultural society. People have they're they're exposed to more about what people in other cultures do and how they live, and you know you're at work or you have friends, so you know. So I think the assumptions may be less.
0: I I remember you telling me about an instant where when you had just joined a panel and um, the chair of the panel treated you differently from how other people, see so, so what happened.
1: Yeah, well, I had just joined um, a panel and I turned up there as, as a new member. And in in fact, I was the only black person on that panel. And um, our first day, my first day on that panel was actually a training day. The training that we had, we needed to separate into groups and um, the group that I was in was the panel members group and all the panel members needed to go off into a separate room. And before I got to the room, the door was shut in my face. And, you know, I I could laugh at it a little bit at the time and I opened the door and I said, oh, have you forgotten me? It's my first day. But in actual fact, you know, I was the only black person there. The significance of doing something like that showed in a way,
0: that I was insignificant. When you told me about it, I was really shocked. And, you know, it's it's both laughable, but so... It just so clearly shows how you were excluded from that
1: group. You know, there are experiences like that that remind you that how other people will see you or view you, how I allow that to impact on me is you know, another matter.
0: On that note of resistance, we leave this conversation. Please come back next time for our chat about challenging bad behaviour. If only we could. See you soon.